everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks. Today I'm joined by three lovely ladies, Yatita Badaki, Jessica Sherry, and Karen David. And they're going to talk to me today about their new short film, In Hollywoodland, written by Yateti. And it's about a young woman, Zodwell, who is an aspiring actress who finds herself in a precarious and surrealistic and unsettling experience that is very similar to Alice in Wonderland. And we're going to get into all of the ways they, they follow the themes of the story, but also we're going to discuss women in Hollywood, women in the film industry, women in television, and we're just going to let things go where they may and see how that turns out. So ladies, if you would like to please introduce yourself, start with your, your Teddy, then Jess, then Karen, and then tell us your parts in the film. Okay, well, thanks for having us. You know, it's always a joy to be able to sit down and chat with you. Um, Yatita Vidaki, um, I wrote in Hollywoodland and also produced along with these lovely ladies. Um, and I play the character of Zodwa. I'm not going to go on much more than that because I would love to hear much more from Jessica and Karen. <laughs> thank you. And it's uh, honestly, thank you so much for having us and spending this time. It's, it's so fun um, to chat about all this and see, you know, since we're oh, on me. Zoom, seeing all your beautiful faces um, um, making me very happy. I remember um, I'm Jessica Sharif and I directed uh, the film and I also produced with these two wonderful, uh, incredible humans. Hello, everyone. Grateful to be here and excited to chat very much like, with um, my uh, superheroes you know, over there, you two days, Jess. I'm Karen David and I play Queenie uh, and I'm also a co-producer as well on In Hollywoodland. Right, one of the things that I found really interesting with the film was how you tied the theme of um, Alice in Wonderland and made and like people do think of Hollywood as like this fantasy land as though it's a fairy tale when we know in truth it is not it is very nitty-gritty it is very cut through as we would say to use an old um you know quote but it's also very um I think it challenges our and challenges people as individuals emotionally mentally physically all aspects of humanity and I found it interesting because as a child Alice in Wonderland was one of the stories I actually did not like and it has mm -hmm. to do with how the characters were written and drawn. They mm -hmm. always creeped me out, whether I was reading them in a storybook or in a show. And I've never been able to actually really watch uh, any iteration of Alice in Wonderland and felt comfortable. So when I saw <laughs> when I saw you doing it with this film, even though it's not like, um, even though it has a very surrealistic feel to it, I was just like, I was already on Southwood before we even got into the scenes that were very disturbing. So I was like, great way to face me and great way for to tell me how to how <laughs> to be prepared. So I wanted to ask you first, Yatita, like what was the inspiration of using Alice in Wonderland and while you were writing the script and where you got the inspiration for, for that? Well, it's interesting. You actually already kind of hit on it, um, that the idea of Relate Hollywood is this that kind of was interesting about, fantasy and land. And that when that you, she you know, go down this wonderful. rabbit hole into it, you start to find uh, this, uh, this uh, gritty underlayer uh all within it um and so that you have this incredible uh magicalism and then you also have uh that this dark side that can show through so it was it actually you know even in writing it came out of a, a, a moment of frustration i've been you know i've been in hollywood actually i was in north hollywood <laughs> at the time so i guess Technically, I was in Hollywood um, and I had been there for a while and um, I found that I was becoming 
Uh, I was one of my day jobs was uh, or survival jobs, as we call them, uh, was being an apartment manager. And uh, this was a moment I found I was becoming a really good apartment manager and which was shocking and terrifying because I went, wait a minute, I didn't, I didn't come all the way here. I didn't go through all these trials and tribulations to become a really good apartment manager. And um, there were just, you know, thoughts that then really felt like they needed to come out. Like they, you know, the experience of moving through this world um, and also in talking with other people and their experiences of moving through this world and how, you know, there were so many of us that had uh, experienced being othered, um, but we'd come with this whole uh, fantasy um, and uh, we're discovering some other parts to it. These characters started to speak very much like, um, you know, Pirandello's characters in search of an author <laughs> type of ideal. Uh, promoting they started to speak um, and they started to those write important those issues that speak to us. As, I just then I very started universal. to see the similarities between these individuals. And so they just started to form themselves into these as well. Um, what um, seemed like just something speaks to uh, a truth familiar. that, you know, uh, fortunately and also then speaking with new words. Um, so it, it was interesting. It was all going into that, going into what you think you know and finding the whole other spaces, uh, all the other spaces within it. Um, so that was really long. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, <laughs> answer to your question, but it, it, I mean, it, it is, it really does come from moving through this uh, industry as someone that has been historically othered um, and speaking to that experience and to um, how many other people are finding themselves in, in those positions as well. Mm. And for um, Jessica and Karen, um, how did you two become involved with the project and what were your first initial thoughts about it? Because it is about Zodwa, but I, find, I, I imagine as women in the industry, like you, would have, you would have immediately connected to it from your own personal experiences. So what was it like joining the project with Amutide and your first thoughts on it? Um, I'll go, I'll go first because it was the order of, <laughs> so we can keep it in, in yeah, uh, chronological, <laughs> chronological order only. Um, I remember the moment that Yatita told me about this project. We were grabbing ketchup coffee in Alhambra and I remember we're sitting outside in that backyard and just chatting and updating and talking about using our voices more in this industry. I think and somehow that's how the conversation came up and um, she just told me about the idea, not even, she didn't even tell me she had written something. It was just like this. And I was like, this is, this is brilliant. This is amazing. This is, how did I not make this parallel? And then, you know, revealed she had written this short and I was like, we need to make it immediately. Yes. <laughs> I went, I went from zero to a thousand. I was like, we're making this. She's like, what? <laughs> so I was like, can we please, can I please, can you, can you need to make it regardless? Um, can I be involved? Uh, and and yeah, and it took, that's 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 where it started. But I remember um, to, to answer the second part of your question, just immediately connecting to it because there's such a um, a, a weird quality about being in this industry that feels almost like this magical realism and and putting those two together it almost finally fit I was like oh I feel seen oh wait this is it this is this is where I am I'm in Wonderland so I think that element really affected me and the other one is like what Yatita was saying that it's not even 
the beauty of this story. You don't even have to be, you don't have to be an actor in Hollywood. You don't even have to be in Hollywood. Just anyone who's othered in any way um, relates to what that experience is like. And so I think that element also made it that for, for whatever reasons, you know, it spoke to me for my own personal experience. A, it spoke to me so deeply, but B, I also knew it was something, the type of stories that I wanted to share and that other people um, would would feel that exact same way. So I think that's 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 my my part of it. <laughs> hey, Karen. Well, I knew Jess. Jess and I had just met up, I think, briefly from mutual friends. And as you know, in our industry, it's such a small world, you know. And I feel like serendipity plays this wonderful sort of part in in aligning um, like-minded creative minds. Um, if you're lucky. And uh, so when I met Jess and she told me all about Yutide and what Yutide was doing, I obviously can relate to everything that Yutide was writing about and tickled pink that she used these wonderful characters of these childhood iconic characters that we've all grown up with um, from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and, um, you know, producing was something that I wanted to... Uh, find the right project to to try and, and, and get my feet wet and start uh, on, on, a, on a new journey, another extended journey um, besides acting. And so the stars kind of aligned with this project and working with Jess and Yutida has just been um, so adventurous and so wonderful. And uh, I've learned so much from this experience and this whole process. And I think just being I'm, really I'm proud of what we're doing been, and what you know, the message that um, we're trying to convey. Actually, I wasn't. Um, and what Yutide has, has written so beautifully um, and poignantly as well, um, just speaks to a truth that, you know, fortunately and unfortunately that many of us can can relate to and me being you know as well uh, a minority a woman of color kind of navigating through the ever-changing waves of of our industry um it's been really challenging um wonderful but challenging and i think just to know that uh that there are you many others that have been through um, similar experiences and, and yeah, and it took that's the work that's... that we do from this short film of uh, inclusivity and diversity and uh, uh, promoting um, those important issues that speak to us, I just feel is very universal. Um, and so this was a no brainer. So I was like, where do I sign? <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> Already on South of the Yeah, I can imagine because the thing that was very great in a very subtle, but still not so subtle way. It addresses issues like like Yatide and as you mentioned, Karen, about being othered, but it also talks about um about sexism and misogyny in the in the industry. And and I let sometimes I look at Hollywood as a microcosm of our world in general, because what we see on screen does usually tend to reflect what we, what's happening in the real world. Mm -hmm. And when you have a film like this, where the, you know, like the actual, tells you about misogyny and sexism, animation, but it doesn't for the characters. Like it always you. creeps me out, and and it happens in a very um, unsettling way for me personally. When I saw that scene, like you, we'll get into that scene a little bit later. But when I first saw that scene, I will. It really I does come from moving through this very, I actually uh, felt, I was like, industry you know? as someone that has and, been, <laughs> and it just made me think, and and it, and it also led me to the question, like. When the film, I remember when Yatiki first mentioned the film, it was 20, I think it was early 2018 on Twitter, and you meant, and she was going to do fundraising for it. And when I saw that scene, I just imagined, like, what kind of pushback would you have received 
during the fundraising effort and leading up to the production. We were then able to share the entire story in the the way that we wanted to do. Oh my gosh, what's the character's name? Um, um, Donald Crafts. And I I wondered, and I wanted to ask you, all three of you, what did you receive any kind of negative pushback with regards to what the the film was about whether if whether it was leading up to the production during fundraising or even after it was initially screened well i'm glad you brought up the fundraising which was all thanks to this incredible team um, i mean i think we were filming at this point as well karen was also doing fear the walking dead and and jess is always super busy in every aspect of it um but uh that was one way that we were actually then able to share this story uh, and that's why, uh, and one way that we didn't have to uh, look for what has been known more as the traditional route for things like funding and all of that, because we had um, this incredible uh, group of people just from around the world that said, you know what, this is something that we're interested in. This is something that we that uh, echoes with us, uh, that resonates with us, um, and this is something that we do think uh, needs to be spoken to. So, because it was crowdfunded, we were then able to share the entire story in the in the way that we wanted to do. Uh, because this came from the people, it was for the people. So we didn't have, you know, someone there that said, "Hey, I gave we'll you the money. This is how you have to tell the story now." Um, we had a wonderful and, group of people that put their their trust in us and said, "We want to see the full story brought to to light." And so we were incredibly uh, fortunate in that way that um, we had this support in order to be able to tell the story. And here's the thing, it was interesting, as we were, you know, as we were creating this, it felt like all of these movements were happening around, around it, you know, where people were finally starting to pay attention to the misogyny that has seemed so ingrained. Um, and I love that you said it's a microcosm. I mean, that, I mean, that's one thing I think that we were trying to do within the storytelling as well. Yes, we call it in Hollywood land, but we are talking about in through these experiences. Uh, yes, it speaks to things that are occurring in Hollywood, but actually on a larger scale occur around the world. Uh, they occur in all different industries. Uh, they occur, I mean, as we see plainly anytime we open even a newspaper nowadays. Um, and so uh, within this little, within this short, we got to address all that. So as far as pushback, again, we were lucky because this was crowdsourced. Um, and yes, we were we were speaking to a larger issue. Give you the money. Um, this is how you I, have to tell the story. I think we refer to it as um, um, a lucid dream. Wonderful group of people. You know how you're dreaming, uh, but when you have a lucid dream, you can actually affect what's happening within it. When you are aware that it is a dream, we were trying to mirror that with this experience. That as we're watching this, we're going, "This is absurd." Obviously. Um, as we're saying that, as we're reflecting, we can then, because we're recognizing it's a dream, that we can then affect change within it. And I think one, I, I love your question so much, and uh, Tita's answer was absolutely we're, we're perfect, nodding away, um, because it's, it raises also not just our, our film, but um, what you were saying earlier about how, um, you know, art 
film, but art in general reflects our society and where a lot of times we learn at the same time, stories aren't being told because the money isn't being given to certain people. And I think that is such this support to, like, in order all, to be able to tell the story. And here's the thing, it was interesting as we were, you know, as we were, we've been lucky enough in our festival runs so far, we're, we're part of a lot of festivals that are trying to change the game, whether it's, you know, Bentonville for women specifically, and, and you know, um, anyone who's been other, the Social Justice Film Festival, the American Black Film Festival, all of these different um, associations and people are trying to say, it's not enough to just say, oh, here's a movie that was made, you know, with a different story. Yes, let's applaud it. Let's move on, go back to, you know, the, the typical thing we watch. It's that change won't completely that affect that, uh, um, with the us, industry uh, and, and what we're able us. to consume um, until the money's really being reallocated in that different way. And the people who give the money are those who are not going to fight. Like you said, they're not the ones who are going to shut down a project. Ooh, no, no, no. I'm like that guy. I don't want to see that on screen. They're going to be, so that's where, where the change needs to happen. So I love that, um, that we touched upon that. Cause I think that's a lot of people sometimes are like, okay, yes, but what's the, how do we change things for real? Cause we don't want this to just be a, you know, a year or two of, oh no, you know, uh, let's hear other stories and then go back to the norm. It's how do we, how do we affect change in the long run? And, and it all, like anything else, like even outside of Hollywood, it all comes down to the money and where the money is allocated and the resources are allocated. Yeah. To be highlighted. Timing really works reasons that we're, in we're talking about. This. And, and I, I think simply because too, everything that's happening in, in the world, um, we're in much more sensitive, uh, more clarifying times where um, there is more an increasing support, uh, certainly within, um, you know, women's rights, women's movements, and uh, giving the courage for those to, to speak up. And, and uh, if it wasn't for those um, very brave and courageous women to speak out and to tell their stories and um, what they've been through, uh, I don't know, you know, where we'd be because it's it's certainly allowed and given our short film a vehicle to um, to be highlighted um, for, for all these reasons that we're, we're talking about. And I think to have that incredible support from, you know, Yatide's fan base, my fan base, even Jess's fan base too, you know, with people that we've worked with as well, uh, just to know that we're, we're starting right from the the start line to the finish line with so much um, camaraderie, community, and love and support for what we do and, and so, what we do. Um, within this little that that is so rare short, and so precious to have that got... from from the get go. So uh, just having that um, in that spirit and uh, that energy um, that, just kind of drove us even further each day, you know, with, with gratitude and purpose. Something like just literally just occurred to me as more to not only um, to be brave, the thing but to is, be more like, honest. You say and, like to not the fact that the film was funded by the people and it was funded online and a lot of this was done through promotion on social media and the film is about sexual harassment and sexual assault in the industry. And it occurred to me in like 2018 when this film, when when the first mentioned the fundraising, this was when the Me Too movement within Hollywood was really starting to pick up. Like we know the Me Too movement have been, has been around for way longer because Sarah Burke started it like well over 12, 13 years ago. But Hollywood was at this moment where it was begin it was beginning to have a reckoning with itself and where women were finally being able to speak about it. And a lot of that happened because of social media. It was because 
other women were encouraged women were encouraging each other not only in hollywood but also in like different industries whether it was if you work in a school whether if you work at a hospital whether if you work at a law office or if you are a stay-at-home mom or if you're a college student or a teenager like yeah. we, were, we were encouraging each other not only to be brave but to be more honest and uh, to not hold back and to not think about what other people would think of us if he was spoke out about sexual harassment and the fact that you have a film about this topic being funded by social media and being funded by people on social media and being encouraged by this. And um, I, I hate to mention his name, but Harvey Weinstein. I firmly believe within myself, if it was not for social media, he would have never been convicted. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe if it wasn't for all the other men that got exposed, if it was not for social media, if it was not for women going on mass and like sharing their stories, but also just saying, we will not stand for this these men would not have been exposed. So when you have a film like this being created because of social media, but also you have these changes in the, in the industry happening because of social media, it shows you that there is power in digital numbers. We were then like, able to we share all, the entire have, story in the, like, the way that we wanted to do. In the U.S. and in different parts, but like we, we can come together because of social media. I met Yatita because of social media. Like we met on Twitter. And <laughs> so, and, right? I call Twitter a hellscape. I always say this bird app is a house game, but it is, it is a miracle. Like social media has been a significant blessing and it has created change and opportunities for women like you to share your stories and to, and to tell, to tell the industry that you work in, these are things that happen. And these is how, this is how I see things from my perspective as a woman, as a woman of color and as a person from a marginalized community. So I just think, like, I just have to say that because it was just like, ah. Yeah, it's incredible. And I I think that also, I mean, that there's the digital part and, you know, there's that whole evolution that we're going through it. But it it is always that reminder uh, to people that they do hold so much power. We are often put in positions to to feel like we're helpless, like our voice doesn't count. We're like, we completely affect um, the industry and and what we're able to consume until... Every single person that adds their voice adds to a wave of movement. Um, And so, I mean, this is just one powerful way um, that that we got to to experience on, you know, on a short film. But this is something uh, that I think speaks to so much more of of what's going on in our world. And and yeah, I I mean, uh, I do hope people continually recognize that the power they have in so many areas. And the thing with with the film and how it doesn't the film doesn't address social media, but it speaks with regards to how society wants to view actors and it wants to view mm. people, especially people of color and particularly black people. Because one of the first opening scene is with Zodwa, where she goes into the room and she sees Agent Rabbit. I didn't realize she was the agent at first. I was just like, who is this guy just just coming here, just saying what he has to say and exiting. Um, <laughs> but there's a line where he where he tells her to change her name. And he was like, let's make it more, let's make it so it can be more popular, more appealing in particular to white people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the first things I think that happens, not only in the industry, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant, I'm, I'm Barbadian and I, I live in Toronto, but one of the first things we have we do to identify ourselves is tell people our name. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, like my mom always says, there's so much power in a name. And the way how we, we, we and I think we have to command that people respect us for our names. And when he tells her, you need to change your name, that would that kind of like offset me a bit because I'm like, but there's nothing wrong with her name. But in the industry, it's so common, whether it's film or TV or, or, or music, people of color in particular are encouraged or told and demanded that they change their names, which is the beginning of 
erasing their identity, which is the beginning of of, of making them more palatable to white mm-hmm. audiences. There, because white is always right, and you know that like, if you want to accept it, people that have that are that have to be accepted, like you don't they 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 don't care if you're acceptable to the people in your own community. They're like we don't care about your community. We want we want you to appeal to the white audience. So I wanted to ask you about that scene in particular, your team, but then also for you, Karen, as that you are you you are an actress too, and like, I'm sure <laughs> you had experiences because like for me, I'm a black woman, but when people here, I'm from Barbados, and like they all like, I tell people my name is Carolyn, and I've had people mispronounce my name, and I'm like, it's one of the whitest names you could ever hear, but why are you still trying to add this 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 weird inflection? So I'm like, but you you get what I mean, right? It's like they expect it to be one thing, but then it's like. Oh gosh, but yes, I can completely relate. I get asked all the time, all the time, my whole life, did you change your name? (laughs) And I would be like, why would you ask me that? They said, well, and they're trying to scrape for the right words. It's like, well, because you don't look like a person who should be called Karen David. And I'm like, well, that's my name. Mm -hmm. And no, I've never changed it. And they can't wrap their heads around that. And even when I go into castings, sometimes this is certainly when I was starting out, they would see my my name on paper and automatically think that I was either a, a nice Welsh girl or a Jewish girl coming in. And I do have roots um, there, but nonetheless, I'm not, you know, I, I don't necessarily look like my name. So like you all the time get asked, well, did you change it because you had a complicated name to pronounce and it's they they immediately jump to that conclusion and I know that a lot of them they say it as nicely as they can because they're just so curious about that but uh it's it's something that always that we've had to to live with you know since 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 I was a kid they're like oh you changed your name (laughs) (laughs) well I mean with a name like Yatide Vidaki that's definitely something that has come up uh yeah, throughout my life. Um, but the funny thing about the, the name thing, and this was a discussion also had with um, Jessica, you know, throughout in um, when we were even talking about names for the character and, and stuff like that. And we, we wanted something very specifically um, that may have not been seen as the norm. Uh, and actually what was really great is we found this name and it means of women. Uh, uh, so that also added <laughs> in so many levels to, to the script. But what I also realized and a lot of times when people are talking about making a name more palatable, they're not only talking about the name. It's, it's really tends to speak to basically your whole being. <laughs> You know, some people might say, okay, it's just words, it's just letters Paper, arranged in the and way. And automatically I mean, think me, that I was either a, I, I was a nice Welsh girl or a Jewish girl coming in. Mother is back. It holds so much weight and history. And it, and um, in, in a way, it almost feels like my, my grandmother is always there because of this. Um, so it's, it was never a consideration for me that that was going to to go away. Um, it, it was, it is a part of me. So if, you know, anytime anyone would get into that kind of conversation about that, it felt like they were speaking more to making my whole being more palatable. Uh, but I mean, as someone said, and I wanna give proper credit for it, but uh, you know, they said, if you can learn to say Daenerys Targaryen, you can learn to say all these other names. <laughs> 
Wait, I was about to say, have you seen the Hassan Minaj video where I think he's on Ellen or something and yeah. he gets so angry because she mispronounces his, mispronounces his name and he's like, if you can say Timothée Chalamet, you can learn to say Hassan Minaj. And then he just goes on. It's my yeah. favorite clip. Oh, I love that so much. And it's exactly that. It's a target. I can't even, Daenerys target. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah, there's, um, oh my gosh, I think it was a film, was it? Uh, is it with Viola Davis where the, the mother is like, if they can say Rachmaninoff, they can say syllables, and your name has like two, three. To me, when that happens, it shows a lack of care and it shows mm -hmm. a lack of respect because it's just like you, you don't want to say it the correct way because you can't be bothered to because they, they, they don't want to be called, if their name is David, they don't want to be called Chad. Right, mm. they'll get offended, and I'll give you an example. Like, I work the school that I, I, I work for the Toronto District School Board. So, the school in the area that I work at is predominantly Asian, so it's like Chinese, Korean, Southeast Asian, and South Asian. And um, but the school in particular is more is predominantly Chinese and Southeast Asian. And my job is I, I'm a lecturer to principal, so my job is to watch the kids while the teachers are having their lunch, you know, keep them like make sure they eat their lunch, play with them outside. But also I go on field trips with them and I'm, I'm like a classroom assistant. And on the first day, what I always ask the kids to do, because some of them are first generation Canadians. So like they moved here as like toddlers. So they moved here, like some of them even like two weeks before they even start school. So they either don't speak much English or they or they speak it, but they're not comfortable because they're in a new environment. So some of them have um, like English names and they have their traditional Chinese names. And I always ask them, what do you want me to call you? And I remember someone was like, but they're toddlers, it doesn't matter. I'm like, it matters to them. This is their identity. If their parents call them one name and this is the name they want me to refer to them, but that's what I'm gonna call them. If they it may have the it may have the name Joanne on the farm, but if they have a Chinese name that they would prefer me to call them, because that makes them feel more that's what I'm gonna call them as. Right. And it's those it's just something as simple as that. Even for a child, that makes all the difference. And it shows them from early that I care about their thoughts and I care about their feelings and their emotions. And it's the same thing for adults when they meet someone new. And if they think they have a difficult name, I'll be like, no, tell me how to pronounce your name. It matters because if you can't respect my name, I don't expect you to respect anything else about me as a person. Yes. And also, I love what you said that the whole like, oh, but it's difficult. But why don't you say Chad is easy? I'm like, it's easy for who? Because my parents aren't unable to pronounce most American names because they, you know what I mean? That's not their language. So it's also this idea of, oh, it's easier to pronounce. Maybe that, Chris but, is easier uh, for you, it's, but it's for a lot of that other people. Always, that we've had to, who are to live with. You know, since... That's not an easy thing to pronounce. So the, this whole, like, it's difficult to pronounce is even, it's such, it's such a centric, such a like um, English centric thing to say in the first place which to me just is mind boggling too. Cause it's like, well, what's difficult to you is not difficult to someone else. So just, you know, move your mouth around a little and learn how to do it. You'll get it. You'll get it. <laughs> mindset, as I call it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I know. Listen, I can be petty sometimes, but- No, I love it. <laughs> but at, least, at least you guys, your names aren't Karen. I know I'm getting asked by people now because Karen's obviously become this meme. And they're like, do you feel bad? that your name's Karen and you know, everything that we talked about, I, I said, well, it, it really sucks that there's, there have been some poor examples of what Karen means. Karen derives from Catherine, Catherine means pure. So mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking that there are, that there were some Karens out there that did not represent the meaning of our beautiful uh, name. Mm -hmm. um,
but you know what really i think what really started to um to, to to really hurt my heart was when I saw these young girls named Karen write in saying that they're so afraid now to say their name. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, our names were given to us out of love. My mom and my father, who I love and adore so much, they love the meaning of this name so much and it came from a place of love. And, and that's all that matters. And I said, so let, let, let the good Karens out there be, be the um, true uh, you know, representatives of the spirit of what the name <laughs> means and, yeah, and set me, a right? good like example too. Because I don't understand where that comes from. Yeah. I started that, the internet. <laughs> that's the dark side of Twitter. You gotta have a laugh at it, right? But it, I just, I, I hope it doesn't pass on to another name. I hope that stops, but. Mm. No, no, no. My next question kind of piggybacks off of the names because in the next scene, uh, Zodra meets up with Queen. We know the, the term and the moniker of Queen is about regalness, it's about a certain position of power, and it's about having a certain affectation. With your character, she's very posh, you know, like you, like you do have the British accent, but there's always a way you can just make it a bit more bougie. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's what she does, you know, she's like, she's like, when I saw her, she's like the epitome of what we think all British people are like and sound like. They think, you know, well, my dear Harry. <laughs> and, and you know acting like every they think every British person sounds like the royal <laughs> <laughs> so you have the name Queenie and then she is a, an iteration of the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland and in Alice in Wonderland which you know is a British um, story Lewis Carroll from England but she she's heartless mm-hmm. and she's and she's cruel and she's vindictive towards Alex and in Hollywoodland Queenie is not necessarily like that but she also doesn't care Zodwell. Zodwell comes in all flushed and you know and anxious and she doesn't bother to settle her say are you ready for the audition she just throws her into the deep end and just and just like throws her to the wolves I feel Karen I kind of want to compare this to a role in Gallivant and, <laughs> and I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous but like you're playing in Gallivant you play this princess and she's a very empathetic and sympathetic character and she's very open and she's very lively and she always breaks out into self but then you have this other character and she's very don't care and she's cold and cruel and for you like when you have when you're playing a character like that and I'm sure you've met someone like that in the industry what what did you bring to encapsulating all of that in the short space of time that you had for that character it's always fun to play a character that's completely your opposite um especially when you get to like just play uh, the different nuances with that character as an actor it's it's so much fun and uh you know, getting these opportunities to play characters that are not so nice, I was like, oh, so this is what all my other friends who played baddies are. They're having so much fun playing. <laughs> so much fun. Um, I think with Queenie, in this case, she's so tone deaf. She's incredibly tone deaf, but I have a feeling it has a lot to do with her experiences that she's been through um, that kind of, you know, have drowned out Um drowned out her empathy i almost feel like she feels she's doing zodwa a favor by being very firm tell it like it is this is how it is you gotta um you 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 gotta grow a pair so to speak and you gotta gotta get tough skin and this is what the industry is like and if you're gonna survive this then you you've got to to know exactly what you want and don't want and don't waste my time so i feel like a part of queenie was was trying to help Zodwa um, in a in a sort of backdoor kind of way, you know, by not um, 
by not being too forgiving, by just kind of telling things like it is. And I know in my experience, you know, I've had, I've had many mentors that, um, that are very supportive and very encouraging of what I do. But one thing I did learn is sometimes the ones that care so much about you um, are the ones that give you the hardest time in a constructive way. Uh, because they take you seriously, because they see the potential. And so they don't want to sugarcoat anything. They just want you to to go in with your eyes open and know that nothing's impossible, but you do have to go through these hurdles and challenges. And one thing my parents have always told me that any place worth going to in your journey, whatever it may be, there's going to be challenges that are there to test you. Um, and it is in those defining moments that you should embrace the opportunity to take that chance to decide that's in your control of how you choose to react to things. And so I wanted sort of to inject all of that into Queenie and try to find this happy medium between the coldness and maybe the tone deafness, but also um, with her kind of being firm and sort of... Um, acknowledging this this young actress that's in front of her and to say you have so much to learn and uh as long as you are focused and know a strong sense of self you'll be fine but until then you've got to learn some hard lessons in between so that's kind of what i where i saw you know queenie at and yatide just wrote this wonderful scene it's like you said it's what you do with those moments in those scenes for that short period of time but there's so much maximum impact in that scene i had so much fun first of all it's very difficult to be mean and horrible to you today so i was you know in between takes trying not to laugh and wanting to hug her endlessly um for being such a cow um but but at the same time it was just it was so delightful and so much fun um and you i'm just very grateful that you wrote such a lovely scene um to have this wonderful moment because it's just sort of a roller coaster of emotions it's it's funny it's witty it's also very dark it's also very heartless at the same time so i just i, I just feel really lucky to have been able to to play a character like queenie um and to also be playing opposite you today too so much fun <laughs> If I may about that character and that scene specifically, I think to me that was one of the most, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. It meant a, a lot specifically when it comes to, um, what we were talking about earlier of sexism and female relationships. And yes, the scene that comes after is, you know, one of the horrible things that have been happening. But another thing I think that this reckoning that we were talking about earlier has brought in our industry is that I'm talking about sexism right now specifically is that women weren't having each other's backs. Mm -hmm. And I think that scene is incredibly important just as much as the next one that comes and especially coming just before that next one, because a lot of these men were able to prey on women who didn't have each other's backs. You saw that with bombshell of just, and this is again, another microcosm. And, and I think it's that scene to me was, so important and spoke to me just as a huge problem in our industry where we're, we're told you only have one seat at the table so then we all infight for it whereas that's not how we progress and it's only in the last couple of years really that women in this industry have said whoa, whoa, whoa hold on a minute like you're not my enemy you are not my competition we rise together and we need to change you know we just need to add more seats so to me that scene was was incredibly important because you know it's it's the the person that 
hopefully in the future, you know, we'll have Zadwa's back in a different way. And, and women, everything you said, Karen, is so true, because I think also that older school of thinking of I have to be hard on you to help you um, or, or with women, I've heard it a lot of older women, uh, older generations of women in our industry were like, well, I didn't have any help and I had to do it. Therefore, you can't have any help. And that doesn't help us because that then means there's only one of us at a time. And so I think, yeah, that, that scene to me was very important also for that because that showcases another one of, of the issues. And again, that right now we're speaking of women, but it applies to any other kind of minority, which is, that's always been the problem. I mean, we spend all of our time in, in fighting each other. And <laughs> you know, those at the top stay at the top. So I thought, yeah, that was, a, that was a very delicate and important. And I mean, these two ladies directing this project was a dream. And the quality of acting, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I'm loving all of these things that you, um, you both are bringing up because uh, yes, the enablers within it too, Jess, absolutely. And I remember having, us having conversations about that. Um, and also the fact that what you brought up about how uh, individuals say it was one way for me. And so I'm going to make it uh, a whole other way for, for those coming uh, after. I also, in even speaking of the scene, have to speak of several other women, like uh, Rachel Lee Payne Darrow, who did the set design. Um, also, uh, Rose Fadam, who was the cinematographer. Um, and, and Jacqueline Garvey, who was the costume designer. Because, for example, you were talking about how Karen was, you know, so posh and polished. And there was also that that you got to see in her costume. Uh, down to her earrings were crowns, you know, like down to that kind of uh, detail. Uh, Rachel Lee Payne Darrow with, you, as you're watching that scene, you might and start Tammy to Trin. What's that? And Tammy Trin. And Tammy Trin, exactly. Thank you, Jess. Um, where you see that that chair, that heart-shaped chair that Karen is sitting in, uh, you start to see it very slowly and you're like, from the corner of your eye, did I just see this chair grow? Is it getting bigger? Is it getting big? Yes, they actually came in and, and traded that out. Um, as for cinematography, the distance between the, you know, the two characters. Um, we were in a small little studio <laughs> if you were to see the actual space where we shot, Karen and I were not that far from each other. But uh, Rose then went in uh, with, I mean, her magic is all I can call it. Um, and you see this gulf between these two ladies, which we also see speaking in so many ways metaphorically. Um, these are all things that, um, one, even just this group of people is something that we all spoke about. Uh, in making this film is that we wanted to create this kind of set that we don't get to see that often, where it was, I, I would like to say that we were, what, 70 to 80% women in, in, um, in general, um, and we were a whole world of people that had been othered. Um, every single person on that set, uh, every single character uh, has an, uh, an idea of what it is to be othered from Luke Youngblood to Dominic Burgess, to Karen David, the incredible Karen David here, um, to Jen Richards. Uh, it was very important to us that as we told that story, we were also working to make those changes uh, that we see um, and that we hope for from watching the story. Fun fact, our cinematographer was uh, seven months pregnant when she was shooting. 
starting from what Kieran said, but um, there's this term that we use about home barbers. We call it um, the sink or swim mentality. There's like, we will throw you in and it's up to you if, you, if you're going to make it. If you re- they're like, if you really want to make it, you're going to be able to swim and you won't sink. But the problem is you throw me in without even instructing me on how to swim. You don't give me the basic tools to succeed. And that's kind of what Tweety is and other people in the industry um, kind of do. They expect you to survive and to make it. And if you don't make it, it means that you're not dedicated. It means that you don't want to. But it's like, no, it's that you never gave me the tools to even try, to even attempt to make it. You set me up to fail before I even got in the water. And that's kind of what Queenie did. Queenie was like, as I said, she she saw that Zabo was flustered. Even if she's trying to help her in a very roundabout way, she doesn't give her the initial comfort of knowing that I'm trying to help you. It's one thing if you're trying to teach me lessons the hard way and you're doing it from a place of love and a place of genuine concern, fine, well and good. But I need to know that that love and that concern even exists within the first place because I'm just going to think you're a shady, shady heifer that, you, that you're just looking for me to am to fail. And I think that's where, uh, and I think that's where, where women in particular fail each other. If we say we care, we have to be able to show. I need to know that you do care because then I'll be able to accept your toughness. But the thing is, is that we, we spoke about this before we started recording. I'm um, internalized misogyny where women mm-hmm. have bought in to what men have told us that we are only so good and so we, we're only so good as they allow us to be. But the thing is, is that we are way better. We are way more than we, that we even give our own selves credit for. We, and we as a gender, I think we, we do amazing things, but we're so blinded by our, our insecurities because it's not that we don't want others to succeed, but we feel like others succeeding shows that we aren't good enough and that we aren't doing well enough. I can do it. I can push forward. And then the, the scene that follows right after that is where Zod was looking at the paper and she says, why are you here? And that scene can be interpreted two ways. It could be either she's asking Queenie, why are you here if you're not going to help me? <laughs> or it could be Zodwa asking, why am I here? She's asking her, that's how I saw I'm like, she's asking herself personally, or, am I really into this? Am I really going to put up with the confusion? And I, I saw that as like her asking, if I can't read this, if I can't interpret what it is you want from me, what is the point of me being here? So I wanted to ask you, Yatini, what exactly did you, were you trying to say for that? Is my interpretation something else completely different? <laughs> So <laughs> your intention, because I do that sometimes. I'm like, oh wait, that's not what you meant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, and I I love hearing all of the the in depth uh, thought that goes into it. Because I mean, as as we've spoken to the, you know, there was a there was a lot that we were trying to cram into this this short, lovely little dark fantasy. Um, but you uh, touched on this idea of being thrown in to the water and there's this kind of sink or swim um, idea. Um, And I'd have to say there are a lot of times within the industry where it does feel like, well, you should know this thing. (laughs) And you're sitting there going, well, this is not anything that you could learn in school or that that they teach in school. Like a lot of the learning happens on your feet. Um, And you see within this space, She's looking at it and she, you know, she says the words are moving. Um, and to her, there's this completely absurd thing going on that she has no idea how to even try and interpret. And, uh, but that world she is in sees it as absolutely normal and sees it as something that she should have the tools um, to be able to deal with. And then she goes into the whole blow up 
um, not to put in any spoilers for people who haven't watched it, but I, I do want to try and speak specifically to the area that you're talking about, Carolyn, um, where she, she says, you know, um, where we had Queenie say, you know, why on earth would you think I'm here? And she says, well, to me, it doesn't even seem like you want to be here. And there, one, we see that for one, she's used her voice in a way that she had never previously intended. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, she um, then has to deal with the fallout of that. But that is a real question where there often seems in this absurd situation, a true question as to but why do we continue it? Why do you know? I don't know your reason for being. I don't know your passions. I don't know what you're trying to do. Uh, again, something that apparently is supposed to be just understood <laughs> immediately. That's why one of my favorite things is to ask people their origin stories within different fields. I want to know why someone is in the position they're in. I and, and I then hopefully start to understand. Okay, then how can we do this thing? together. But what we end up seeing most of the time, and we kind of speak to this in the kind of industrial layout of the of the story, is that the industry can often seem like a machine. And it's it's just moving parts. And it's moving you along a conveyor belt. And so you know, you're trying to stop and go, what was this? Why am I but it's you're still being pushed down it and pushed through it. And for someone on the other side, uh, for someone like Zodwa, for someone who's being othered, that is often what we're dealing with. That's what we're looking at. That's our viewpoint, where it just looks like we're being pushed through this machine. And someone sitting on the other side may unintentionally uh, appear as one of the gears, rather as that full human being that they are with their wants and their needs and uh, the things that motivate them to be a part of this world. So we get to play with all of these things, again, within a matter of minutes, seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene that comes after that that we're going to get into, but there's that scene with Queenie and Zodwa actually is almost like the flip side of a scene that happens later between Zodwa and Hatter. So Hatter is the director and Hatter gives her this cup with film. And she's like, drink the tea. And she's like, I can't drink the tea. It's film. And it's something that's if she puts it in her mouth, it's going to cut up her mouth because it's sharp and it's dangerous. And like, how is she supposed to digest this? And I want to ask you, Kieran, as a director, I saw this scene as where is, and it, it's- Do you mean Jess? Like a, I'm, oh, sorry. I'm Jess, sorry. Like, it, to me, this scene is kind of like the flip side or almost not, not even the flip side, but it's like the mirror image or it's, the two, it's two sides of the same coin of this scene with Queenie and, and Zadwa. And it's kind of interesting because they're both shot differently and lit differently. The queen with um, the scene with Queenie and Zadwa is dark and it has like a lot of red. Whereas the scene with Zadwa and Hatter is bright. Like she's in this white, stark white room and Hatter is wearing green, you know, the color of envy as we'd say. And, and, for, and for you Jess, as a director, what was your interpretation of this scene? Because you as a, as a, as a director, Hatter said her digest this, take it in like, yeah. And then, and she's like, I'm going to give you crap, but I expect you to make it art. And it's the same thing with, with me. I'm going to not, I'm not going to give you the tools, but I expect you to succeed nonetheless, that you're going to have to show me your dedication where you're already setting me up to fail. How can I do this impossible task? I think it's interesting that 
the two characters that are you would think would be the ones giving her those tools by the nature of who they are and by who as women we turn to for support are the ones who just throw her in the deep end. So I think that, first of all, was an interesting thing. In terms of the light versus dark, I think when we were talking about the look of this and and the beauty, but also the scary part with something like this is that it doesn't follow the rules of our world. So we are the ones then defining the rules visually of what we're about to see. And so that's exciting, but also, you know, requires 10 times more thought because everything, you know, needs to make sense. Um, and the biggest thing that um, anytime Rose and I started sort of diving into that off of Yatita's wonderful script was that we wanted it to look more and more like almost that dreamland, more and more losing touch with reality. So the way that the first scene, everything looks completely normal. And then more and more you're entering this just, sort of everything's a little weird. And this is the the final element of that, right? Like the way she's, it's literally very clearly defined in the script of these four levels of madness. These for us, she goes deeper and deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Um, so I don't know if this, this answers your question, but yeah, I think for me visually, it was always about how do I help the story and, and Zod was, it's, it, this story is very much from Zadwa's point of view. So everything represents also what she's feeling, which is how, you know, in the scene before, everything is cut, everything's all over the place, everything's scary, um, and that's represented in it. And this is, um, in the other part, everything's, in the scene just before this, everything's scary and everything's cut into all different pieces and everything's sort of coming at her all over the place um, because it also represents her, her, panic um, mode that she's in um, and versus this one I think there's also an element of she's passed this horrendous trauma and yes Hatter is throwing her into the deep end without giving her the tools like Queenie was but in we're now in a scenario where this is um, she has endured everything we've just seen and on top of that it's the disorienting factor so again, to me, this film was always from the POV of Zodwa. And so that informed visually what was going on around her, how they, how, you know, from the set to the costumes, to the character, to the performance, to everything, to the, you know, visually. So I think, I don't know if that answers the question, but that was, that was sort of the goal where, you know, where we're all together trying to go to was to disorient her completely and, and sort of where she loses everything so that again, not to spoil the ending, but so that in order for, for that ending to work, we had to, to, you know, sort of remove all of her, what's the word I'm looking for? All of, um, all of the stuff that, that helps her be her and stand up and, and stand tall. I all think. The grounding uh, elements. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. All of the grounding elements we had to just completely strip and remove. So I think that, I don't know if that answers the question, but that was the difference between those two scenes is really that is that this one is just a lot past that trauma and just completely disoriented. Um, so, so now we're getting to the part that is the trauma. Like I did not, this scene, maybe as I said, this scene made me very uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. it, it's the scene where she meets the producer. And again, this is where the script very blatantly says it's about sexual harassment and sexual abuse and sexual assault. And whenever I watch any film, any TV show, whatever, and there's always a scene like this, I always 
think about from the actress's perspective. And I know for actresses, we say, this is the character. You have to separate yourself from the character. The character is not me. But for, for you, Yatini, when you are writing a film based, start off on your perspective as a woman in the industry or as a woman in general. And then, um, and, and then when you're filming, like how, how do you separate your own, um, your own sense of self from what is taking place? And, and I'm not speaking with regards to the art of acting. I just, I just mean emotionally and mentally because I'm sure like with anything, you can be trained for it, but still until you get into the situation, that's where you really, your, your brain has got it. You're, you have to basically fight against your base, your own basic instincts. Right. I mean, that's an incredible question. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try and answer it as best as it deserves. Um, I think already there was a unique perspective because I've also written it. So I know it's coming. Um, which might not seem like much, but that does do something because you've already, it's already um, being processed in another side of the brain. I have to speak to Jessica as, as being an incredible director and it does help with Jessica and Karen um, that we have a supportive environment. And, you know, beyond these two incredible ladies, this whole room full of incredibly supportive individuals. It was a thing in writing this that if you are speaking of the experience of a woman through the industry, I mean, we know looking even at the statistics for women in general, this is something that's gonna come up that often comes up in women's lives is uh, sadly a fact. And so couldn't, I didn't feel we could tell the story without, you know, that we're not touching on it somewhat. Uh, luckily, we also have the incredible Dominic Burgess you know, it's interesting, it was actually Jess who suggested him. And it's funny, I mean, it was an immediate thing. They were like, yes, that was back when we were in Alhambra having coffee. Um, it was an immediate thing, because I know Dom, I've been, I've had class with him uh, for many years um, and as at Jess. And that was another thing, again, in a supportive environment with someone that I know is the absolute opposite of this this kind of individual that it helps that when Jess says cut I know Dominic Burgess is there mm. and that's a friend and that's a safe place so you know that's interesting this has probably been the most frank I've ever <laughs> uh, I've ever been about this type of experience but it does speak to the importance of uh, women having more of a say in making these kinds of stories and bringing these things to fruition, because I think there's a very different sensitivity about how it's treated in the space and how the individual is treated. So then I, in this space, had an easier time switching from this is a story we're telling to these are the wonderful, incredible people that are helping me tell the story. And I don't have to take this home with me. This is something that yes, that a lot of women experience that I've, I mean, we were also talking about seeing her go through this journey through the rabbit hole. And something that comes up a lot too is gaslighting. The, the fact that you're often just told or, that what happened to you didn't happen to you or that it wasn't a big deal or that the next moment everyone acts like everything is fine. And so you're sitting here going, but I just went through this hugely impactful moment and everyone's just coming at you afterwards like what? You know, the, the, 
and and you had been asking about that next scene too and the visuals of that as well and Jess had spoken about you know all her grounding elements having been taken away and there is that element of showing up in this bright white space like it's clean slate nothing happened Um, and she's still carrying this whole experience with her. But uh, again, to a- answer specifically your questions and, and to technically what happened there about being able to separate, it's because of all these elements. It was a supportive space, as a, pa- a place where people understood um, this kind of experience. Um, and these were friends and this was Dom across from me. So when Jess says cut, I can look up and see Dominic and not Donald. Okay, thank you, Don. You did answer my question. And that's gonna lead me to uh, one of my last questions before we wrap up, because this week I saw the film Mangrove as part of the small act mm-hmm. series by Steve McQueen. And there's a line that Leticia Wright says, her, the person she's playing, Althea, she makes a decision to defend herself in court against um, fake allegations. And she's at this point where she's like, I'm going to defend myself at court. And people are asking her why. She's like, because we need to be the protagonist of our own story. Mm-hmm. And for uh, for me as a Black woman, when she said that, I think we all know this kind of thing instinctively, but like to hear actually verbalized and placed in that own way, especially when all, all four of us work in the film industry, but from different perspectives. But it's just like, we have to be the protagonist in our own story because we can't let people dictate or determine who we are and who we, and how we will be seen. Like for me, when I write film reviews, I always write from a personal perspective. That's part, I, that's, I write in my natural voice, which is if I don't feel connected to a film, whether it, it could be negative or bad, but if I don't have to, like I have anything personal to connect with, I don't write the review. Because for me to do otherwise, I find it actually makes it harder. And then I feel like I'm cheating myself. And so when she said that, I thought, okay, I understand this as a film critic. Like my job is to, share my perspective on these films, but I'm going to do it from my own perspective. And when I make decisions to do things like starting this podcast, that's me being a protagonist in my own story and like me being able to voice my opinions. And I saw this film as an example of being the protagonist in your own story because all three of you have are bringing your own personal experiences to your interpretation of this story. Yes, it's written by Yatide and it's, and it's told from a perspective that she understands, but then for you, Pam, Karen and Jess, you're able to still bring your own personal perspectives to it. And I, I think that's one of the things that really does make acting like a super interesting art form because being able to bring a story to life, but also you as an individual having no personal relation to the person that it's about, but still being able to relate to it. You know what I mean? And still being able to say, I see this and I understand it and I'm going to help other people understand it as well. So for the three of you as we wrap up, like the film has been showing at film festivals. It's been getting like positive responses. But for the three of you, as a protagonist in your own stories as actresses and as a director, what has the film meant for you now with everything that happened in 2018, 2019 play into your decisions that you make going forward? That was very long, but yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I because I've just been speaking a whole lot, so I wanted to make sure to open the floor um, to everybody first before I <laughs> jump in. <laughs> no, I was the first thing that comes into my mind is that whole hashtag of women supporting women. Mm. And I think that that starts with each and every one of us. We have to start teaching our, our, our young, the young girls too that this is you know that mentality is so um, fundamental uh in in unifying together it, as a sisterhood 
um, and, and being and, and creating fundamental change moving forwards and moving forwards with purpose and uh, promoting. I think this is you know everything we talked about with the the power of social media. For me personally, I you know I, I must admit at the beginning I had a very strange relationship with social media because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable about a lot of things about it. Um, I know for us growing up. I think social media was just beginning and and we didn't have those pressures of of this comparative culture that we find ourselves in now. So I think it's so important that you know we have the power to choose how we want our platforms to be represented. Um, and this whole experience from working with Yatide and Jess and all the incredible women um, on our crew as well um, has just highlighted even more that importance of a sense of community and encouragement and support moving forward. Um, Tina, what were you going to say? Because I didn't want to interrupt, so I'll jump back in after. <laughs> no, that was exactly what I mean. I was just trying to say, um, I was trying to be supportive. <laughs> I was trying to make sure, though, that everybody got a chance to speak. I, I didn't want to uh, just butt in uh, from the get-go. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead, love. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, okay, that's, that's a big question. But because it has been, it's, has been a journey you spoke a bit about the idea of the, the microcosm. Um, even in making this film, it was microcosm, uh, and therefore a way to learn more in depth about this industry, um, about the many parts of it, about the many parts that I hope to continue to be a part of. And so you mentioned, you know, that I'm part of this as an actress, but this is also then one of the first times that, uh, at least publicly, I've been involved as a writer, uh, that I've been involved as a producer. Um, and I've learned a lot about the ability to move change, to, to move the needle forward by uh, jumping in there, even when you're dealing with the imposter syndrome, even when you sometimes are feeling like you're being thrown into the deep end and all of that but there is there is power within saying within taking agency and saying okay other people are not uh offering a seat here so i guess it's time to build a table with a bunch of like-minded individuals and uh, you know it's been how many years um in, in bringing this beautiful uh project that we've been able to make with so many incredible people that I feel like I haven't even started to list here. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a, a season of growth. And so moving forward, um, there is a whole lot more agency. I, I no longer just uh, accept in a way that I used to, that if I ask, why is this this way? And it's still that way. Um, then I go, I no longer accept, well, that's just the way it is. Um, I'm accepting that there is a possibility um, to, you know, stars says this a lot now, um, hashtag take the lead for, for women. There's an ability to take that lead. Um, it's not always easy. <laughs> there are many bits to it. It doesn't always happen immediately, but there is an ability to take that lead. And like you said, be the protagonist in your own story. I think I, I mean, both of you said it so perfectly, both from a community standpoint and an empowerment standpoint. The only thing I would add specifically 
of what you were saying as the protagonist of your own story and on, on a personal level for me, I think is that um, just a quick little background context. I'm a third culture kid. I always say I grew up in the sort of negative space between cultures um, and between languages and between <laughs> um, so many different things that I had a very fragmented sense of identity. And I think as a filmmaker, I ended up just, whether in, in documentary or in scripted, ended up telling a lot of stories that were very white, often male, and without even, you know, um, and that's fine, I can tell those stories, but I think there's something in, in that if I'm taking something from this film, from Zadwa's journey, and especially from working with Yatide and with Karen, two women who are have such a sense of self, have such an understanding of who they are and their place in the world, or at least like that's that's what I receive from them and being with them and working with them truly empowered me to a, say, no, who I am is okay. I don't need, you know, I've often been in rooms with people who are like, this is your box and this is where you need to fit because that makes me comfortable. And here were two women who were just completely, you know, themselves third culture kids and themselves, you know, very open to what that means and, and having a sense of, of identity that is not quote unquote the norm and, and how that affects you and your craft as a storyteller. And I think for me, on a personal level, that's definitely the, the, the thing I am the most grateful for about working on this film and that I'm taking with me moving forward um, as a filmmaker and as a storyteller and, and as a woman, as a person. And so I think that that to me, I'm, you know, will forever be so grateful to these two women because um, it was the first time from a professional standpoint that I was made to feel complete and accepted completely as I am. So that I think speaks volumes to the both of them. Erin, did you have anything you wanted to add? I was just gonna say that, you know, um, as an actor, when you first start out, you're so grateful if you can even book a role. And I feel like, you know, throughout this journey, if you're blessed and lucky to be able to meet with uh, like-minded creatives and to, pre to be producing work that you truly believe in, um, and to be now in a position where we can choose the stories that we want to tell. I mean, you know, there was a point before where I didn't have that choice, but now, you know, you you work yourself, you know, through this this journey, as these ladies will know. And if you are lucky enough to reach a position where you can do something good, um, I think that is uh, an exciting, an exciting turning point. And for me, this was it to be able to to start to sink my teeth into something that was meaningful, that was purposeful. And moving forward, I'm so inspired by what I've learned through this experience to continue to not be afraid to to say no to stories that don't that are not representative of these important issues that are so important to me. And, and I encourage other women watching um, and even the men out there too, that it's so important to, to give voice to inclusivity, equality and diversity. It's so important. And that starts within each of us and, and every one of us. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been long, but you know what? It's been fun. And this, is why I, this is why I love doing what I do because I just love learning from people and getting all the little nuances. To me, that just makes everything just better, makes me understand things better and adds context. And so again, thank you so much for speaking with me. And so as we wrap up, 
The film is still showing at festivals. Which would you like to say which festivals people can watch it at and how they can watch it going forward? Yeah, up next we have Holly Shorts, which is screening, I believe, between November 9th and 15th. Um, I believe our screening date is on the 12th. We literally just got an email about it um, just before this podcast uh, on the 12th. But regardless, um, as you know, we keep announcing them as they keep going, because a lot of them you only announce a couple of weeks before. So I, you know, highly um would love for anyone who wants to find out more um, in hollywoodlandmovie.com is our website. Everything's there. We have our trailer. We have all of the screening dates upcoming and otherwise and all the information. So, and all the social media handles are on there. So in hollywoodlandmovie.com. And ladies, would you like to tell everyone where they can follow you on social media to see what you're up to? Well, it's easy here. It's um, on Instagram, Yetide, Y-E-T-I-D-E. On Twitter, Yetide Badaki. And yeah, you can always uh, see what I'm up to on those two places. Jess? Oh, yeah. I'm at... Oh, go on. I'm not. Oh, sorry. I never <laughs> Milo might be barking, so I always put on mute. Um, oh. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Karen David. And on Instagram, I'm at Karen David Official. And I am on both Twitter and Instagram, uh, although I only use Twitter to read people and retweet people. Um, <laughs> but Instagram and Twitter, uh, Jessica Sharif, S-H-E-R-I-F. Again, thank you so much for speaking with me today about your film and your experiences in the industry. And everyone, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12, so that's C-A-R-I-E-C-N-H12. Keep up to date with any new reviews, articles, and podcast episodes and interviews that I've been doing. And also for this summer and for the going into fall, actually, now, as part of the African American Film Critics Association, I've been taking part in the virtual roundtables where we speak to Black creatives in the film and television industry. And most recently, we spoke to Sadiqa Martin-Green, star of Star Trek Discovery. And you can find our, our roundtable with her on the YouTube channel, as well as Yaha Abdul-Mateen for his film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. And today, before I recorded with these lovely ladies, I spoke to Justin Simeon, the writer and director of Bad Hair, as well as the actress Al Lorraine. And before that, we also spoke to some of the cast for Steve McQueen's Small Axe Mangrove and Lovers Rock. So you can keep, you can check out the AFCA website as well as the YouTube channel to watch all of those interviews. Please, everyone, wear a mask, stay safe, and use common sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh.